Mind the Gap, it's a warning and a reminder. Danger lurks here. But mind the gap, these are also words of love. I care what happens to you. I don't want you to be hurt. Mind the gap, step onto that train healthy and whole. Uh, in 1969, an actor named Oswald Lawrence recorded a voice warning for the subway system saying those three words, mind the gap. And his recording played every time that a train would come into the station. So years later, after Oswald passed away, his wife, Margaret, would return to the subway station so that she could hear his voice make this announcement to mind the gap as the trains would roll in. Until one day, it changed. The voice had been updated. They couldn't put the old recording into the new computer system. Closing this gap between old and new technology had closed the door on a lifetime of love. Now, closing the gap is Nehemiah's mission. You see, the high priest Ezra has already rebuilt the temple, at least a version of it, but it is only a shadow of its former glory. Its columns are substandards, its courts are in shambles, its altars are filthy, foul-smelling from too many wild animals and too few cleaners. And the city, the holy city of Jerusalem, lay in ruins. And this is in stark contrast to the neighboring elegant city of Samaria to the north. In fact, Jerusalem is so dilapidated and so dysfunctional that the Jews who have returned home from exile live in these scattered villages around the outskirts of this once great city. Nehemiah has come to focus on more than a temple. He's come to rebuild the walls around the city. Without these walls, the city is vulnerable to attack. Without these walls, just anyone can move in. So to build a shared identity, they want to raise these walls and live behind them together. They want to close in all the gaps. Nehemiah rolls into town with this powerful endorsement. He's a Jew of high office in Persia, and the king has made him the new governor of all of Judea. And word travels around fast. Nehemiah's going to rebuild the wall. Neighboring peoples and regions are less than enthusiastic. If there's a new neighbor in town, I might lose some of my power. And so Sanballat of Samaria to the north he leads this scheming alliance of the north and the south and the east and the west against Nehemiah. But they work on the walls anyway. And as they make progress on the walls, there are only then these gaps left in the walls to finish. And it's then when the neighbors see that these Jews are for real, that the impossible is being done, that Jerusalem rises again, 
they are truly threatened. And the rumors start. Rumors of a coming attack. They spread like wildfire and fear and anxiety overcome the workers who are at these gaps in the walls. So Nehemiah orders the workers to arm themselves. He puts a trumpeter in place to sound the alarm when necessary. He has the workers come in behind these unfinished walls to sleep for protection. And these actions, they build up the mind and the spirit in security. And over time, in those gaps, these people learn to depend on one another. Their community is rebuilt, but not by the walls themselves, by what the walls cannot do. Make them care for one another. In those vulnerable gaps in the wall, a nation is reborn. When gaps are closed, relationships are routed to armed gateways. The love that was forged in the former gaps give way to permanent fear and anxiety. Walls become a way of life, and it's a life always on defense. Now, we, know, we have no indication an attack ever came upon Nehemiah. Were the rumors true? Was the hostility all talk and no bite? Were their enemies intimidated by their show of unity? Think about it, an entire community comes together to distinguish itself from others, to claim its place as the people of God. That is somewhat intimidating. But at what point do these distinctions shift from issues of identity to issues of worth? At what point does the gap widen between those who are in and those who are out? Those who are people of God and those who are not. And the folks guarding the armed gateways are left to make all of the choices. Now sometimes a gap makes all the difference. I'm going to show you a series of pictures here. And in this first picture, this is a mathematic principle. The sajida is a gap literally between a straight line and a curving arc. Now, without that gap, you would just have two boring parallel lines, but this gap gives power. In this next picture, you see that a sajida literally means actually an arrow. The gap between this line and this arc is where an arrow can be pulled back and then thrust forward into the air, and that gap giving power to the arrow, even defines a person. In the next picture, you see probably somewhat of a familiar sight. In Greek mythology, Sagittarius is an archer with a double identity, both man and horse. I've seen a few people who fit that description. I don't say. <laughs> now, Sagittarius is said to be the centaur Chiron, and he mentored many Greek heroes like Achilles in archery, and you can go and you, you can see him and other centaurs in the British Museum in London. This epic battle is depicted on marble between centaurs and humans. It was plundered from the ruins of the Parthenon in Athens, and Greece wants their marbles back. <laughs> There's a gap in their ruins even today, right? It's a gap they want to 
fill in. Now, if you've been on a subway before, chances are it's been probably in New York. And it's a curious thing that in some stations in New York, the gap between the train and the platform is so great they can't leave it open. And so they do actually do the work of filling in the gap. When the train comes in, metal grates automatically extend out where the doorway is to the train car. But in London, they purposefully don't fill the gap. They don't close the gap. They don't bridge the gap. They mine the gap. The gap is a beautiful part of life, like rain day after day in an English summer. So we're going to watch the second part, another video of this story in the London Underground. Now, this is a true story. Uh, incredibly, the London subway, they actually restored her husband's voice announcement. And they put it back in the subway station, the same station where they first met. And they gave her a copy of it on a thumb drive, which is why the thumb drive company, Kingston Technologies, paid for that commercial to be made, right? <laughs> uh, what a beautiful thing to be able to hold open the door to preserve a gap of a, of a lifetime of memories, to live in a gap where love may grow. Uh, today is World Communion Sunday. Uh, this started out as an intentional choice to leave gaps in our walls. Uh, for centuries, Christians have fought over seemingly minute details. How many fingers to use in a blessing? Whether the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father or from both the Father and the Son, how much water should we use in baptism, aquafina or tap water? Will communion juice include wine or just grape juice? We Christians have a checkered history, a checkered history of closing gaps by building up walls, and we gather like-minded folk behind the walls, and we retreat, and we wall out other churches, and we wall out the world that Christ calls us to love. Today we consciously think then about the churches around us. We pray for their health and their vitality. We confess that we are all interconnected in bringing forth God's kingdom, and we see value in one another. The truth is we need a witness of open gaps in our world. Our world is all too often walled in, and with the aid of technology, we surround ourselves only with the people who agree with us, and when they do not, we can unfollow them, we can unfriend them, and we can unlove them. Every day there is a hyperbolic choice of black or white. And we are told to choose one side or the other, and then we retreat behind a set of walls, and we forget that Jesus would rather die in the gaps than close them. We forget that Jesus' resurrection kept the gap open. Friends, even the mightiest walls will crumble, but love can never be felled. And we agree in principle this is true. In daily practice, though, in our faith, we do have a concern. If we sit in the gaps, we are vulnerable. If we have no wall, every arrow shot will then hurt. 
but it's in owning our vulnerability that we assume all of the power. Not but about two weeks ago, uh, I walked into an impenetrable fortress of sanitation, a hospital, uh, white, white everywhere, right? And the person I went to visit offered me a cookie. A very good one, I might add. Who offers you a cookie when you go to see them in the hospital? You may even know this person's name, actually. Now, she's supposed to be, in this situation, a walled defense, conscious of her weakness and her vulnerability, yet she gives loving hospitality in the gaps of her own health. So maybe we should take a cue from her. When we are tempted to go on defense, let us first consider the people we might wall out of our lives and ask ourselves, how might I find a way to love? Instead of closing the gap, we can mind it again and we can follow Christ's example living in the gap because that's where love grows. 